We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day on Twitter, at Dan Day Radio, and always here for you from a safe distance. On the way, got some Joe Rose show talking football. It's supposed to happen. The draft especially. Virtually, virtually going to happen. Mark Ross going to be joining them. Then Dan Labatard. They're talking to the shark. That's right. Greg Norman. He's a shark king, not a tiger king. Then Hawk and Crowder. Big happy birthday to John Oates. Right now, we've got some big headlines for you. New Jersey three-star lineback recruit Nayer Graham says he's leaning toward committing to Miami. Graham is part of the 2022 class. Sergey Bobrovsky has pledged another $100,000 to the Florida Panthers Foundation in order for them to purchase N95 masks for medical workers in South Florida. Canes football coach Manny Diaz says he is wary of the college football season starting in September. Miami, though, is scheduled to begin their 2020 campaign September 5th against Temple at Hard Rock Stadium. Nick Bosa and Kevin Taylor are two notable South Florida natives named to Max Prep's all-decade team of high school players for the 2010s. Dana White claims that he has purchased a private island and is prepping it to host UFC 249 along with other fights during the coronavirus outbreak. No details on where the island is located have been disclosed. When the NFL season resumes, both the Rams and Chargers will be featured on the reality TV show Hard knocks. And now, let's take a step into the day spa. <sighs> With the country on lockdown, India has seen an 86% spike in cybercrime, including recently an individual trying to sell the world's largest statue for $4 billion. Seriously? Like, who's seeing that and saying, Honey, get my checkbook. New Zealand's prime minister has proclaimed both the Tooth Fairy and Easter Bunny essential workers. As they should be. Stanford scientists have designed a smart toilet that recognizes users' backsides and analyzes the health of their urine and poop. Whew, now that that's settled, let's get cracking on this coronavirus cure. Now on to weather. Today's weather calls for sunny skies with temperatures in the mid-80s. I know what weekday mornings call for. Six to nine, a cup of joe. I'm not just talking about that coffee that you have to down to keep your eyes open, but also the Joe Rose Show. Those guys waking up in the morning, I don't know what they're doing, but they're logging in and they're getting on your radio from their home. Nothing stops Joe Rosen, Zach Krantz, Hollywood, the whole team. Earlier today, they talked football. Can't all talk coronavirus this, coronavirus that. Mark Ross joined the show talking about the technology draft that is coming up. Also, could we possibly have a 10-round draft? Takes a look at the upcoming quarterbacks that are going into said draft. Who are the Dolphins going to grab? Thoughts on the Dolphins' free agency spending spree? 
Plus, the Bucks are all in this season. On NFL Network, Mark Ross is an NFL Network analyst. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark Ross. That's M-A-R-C Ross. Paths to the Draft airs Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. on NFL Network leading up to the NFL Draft two weeks from Thursday. Hey, Mark, a lot of, lot of stuff to, to get into, and I'll just take it from yesterday. Uh, the NFL Draft coming up two weeks from tomorrow, the first round uh, of the NFL Draft. Do you have any concerns about technology, about the security, anybody getting hacked, uh, and, and how this is going to work, you think? Because it seems like a lot of NFL teams are really concerned about this since first time we've ever had anything like this. You know, I don't have concerns, but a lot of teams, a lot of general managers, to be honest, head coaches aren't the most uh, technologically advanced people. Uh, we have right. uh, fabulous IT departments in our in, our, in, in different teams, and they do fabulous work and are really relied on very heavily. So I think that's the scary part for some teams, some GMs, that they're not used to this. And, of course, change in the NFL is always scary for some people. So I think for that aspect. But I think they'll have it under control. There's too much at stake. There's too many eyes on this uh, for the league office to allow something uh, negative to happen as far as a hacking or, or whatnot. And every team will be vigilant to make sure that doesn't happen. Hey, Mark, the, the, other, the other one out is in and you've been part of this, so you're the great, perfect guy to ask. Let's face it, we're probably going to end up missing out a little more than a month of the scouting and evaluation of certain players you like and maybe some background checks. And, God, I'd like to spend a little bit more time with that guy. So now Kevin Colbert, who's been a pretty successful uh, general manager with the Steelers, says, you know, it sure would be nice to have three more rounds and get up to ten rounds because we're going to be prone to a lot more mistakes in this draft. What would you think of that? Well, I took that for Kevin, so in case people don't know. So you have the seven rounds of the draft. But then after the draft, there's still a bunch of players, a pool of players who you're trying to recruit as free agents. So it's basically a free-for-all after the draft where teams right. are just calling players. The scouts are calling players, calling their agents, saying, we'll give you 10000 to sign with us. This is our best opportunity for you to make the team. And it's just really a free-for-all. And every year you try to make it uh, – you try to make it uniform and, and everything, but it's just really no way to do it. So I think Kevin was kind of concerned to say in that kind of scenario to give us some more time to pick those free agents that we'll be scrambling for because even on your best day when you're in a room together in the same facility trying to recruit these guys, it's kind of chaos. So now that you'll have scouts on the phone at different places all scattered about, it's going to be really hard to kind of communicate, okay, we signed this guy and then get it to your cat guy to make sure he gets signed and go through the agent. So I think that was more so what Kevin was, was kind of referring to. Mark, all right, so the draft, like we said, two weeks away, and of course every year when the draft comes around, we're talking about quarterbacks because they're the, the sexy picks, I guess you could say, each year, the most <laughs> important position in the NFL. Kind of a two-part question for you, is Joe Burrow, to you in your eyes, the absolute number one guy on the board? And then after that, what does two, three, and four look like for you in the quarterback rankings? Yeah, definitely for, for me, Joe Burrow is number one. It, it really was just a development. Uh, when you watched him earlier in the year, it kind of just seemed like he was a product of the system that they had there. They had that new offensive coordinator and Joe Brady and I mean they were just kind of crushing people and everything was easy for him uh, so it seemed like he was just a system guy but the bigger the stakes the bigger the games down the stretch I mean those last seven games of the year when he played the Alabamas and the, and the national championship game semifinals where he just started to show his ability to be a playmaker on his own outside of the system is where he really elevated his stock for me and in the NFL that's what you got to do you got to make plays it's not as you guys know it's just not easy you know you're just not uh, just dinking and dunking on people and expect to win football games. So, yeah, I think definitely Joe Burrow is number one. Uh, after that, I, I really, you know, two has been the hot name for years, and, uh, you know, he's done some great things at Alabama. But I like Jordan Love. I mean, Jordan Love's been my guy that I kind of think does have that playmaking ability. 
above these other guys. Uh, you know, he played at Utah State with absolutely no help at all. He's got offensive linemen and receivers who won't be close to the NFL, and he kind of had to do everything on his own. I like to compare it to basketball, where he had to create his own shot almost every play. So then Tua, for me, you know, Tua's very efficient, highly productive, high-character guy, and obviously well, well-known. And then Justin Herbert would be the fourth guy in the mix uh, as far as the top four. Tua, you kind of kind of went through Tua. Now, you know we got a Tua crush down here with a lot of people of with the bad hip. Are, are, are you worried Are you worried about the hip at all? Because some people are calling him glass. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, and it's, and it's the thing with Tua. They talk about the hip, but he's had both his ankles. He's had a quad. He's broke his hand. So uh, he had a knee injury back in 18. So when you look at a player, when you're always evaluating a player, and what we do is, and you have your medical staff look, it's if there's one injury that you're concerned about, then you then you can talk about that with your trainer. Say, okay, we'll overcome this. Uh, when you get to two injuries, two major injuries, you're saying, well, what's going on? I mean, he's had about three or four, uh, two to three major injuries. Uh, so when someone shows a history of being hurt, that's a major concern, a major red flag. And I think in this process where you're, you didn't have the ability to bring him in, uh, some teams might be a little bit wary because you, even though you had the medical check at the combine, you have what his trainer said at Alabama, you still, with a, someone such, such a high profile, going to be such a high pick, you want to have him in your building uh, with your team doctors, with your team uh, physicians and trainers, just to make sure all these injuries are going to check out okay. You know, the, uh, the other thing that uh, we, we've been bouncing around and, and talking about is, you know, the Dolphins need to get a quarterback. You still expect the Dolphins with that first pick or in the first round to take a quarterback? You, you still expect that, right? Yeah, I, w- I would expect the, one of these one of these mix of guys that they're at number five. I and mean, they set themselves up perfectly. I mean, their whole strategy, if it was a strategy or if it, for this last year or so, to set themselves up to have all these draft picks, to have a high pick, uh, to get a quarterback because, I mean, they could put all the pieces they want this year and draft well if they don't take a quarterback get five and have all these players. But if Ryan Fitzpatrick is your quarterback next year, you're going to be picking in the top five again as, as much as you guys, you know, as much as everyone loves Ryan Fitzpatrick as a character and all that stuff. But if he's your quarterback, you're picking in the top five again. So they have to find a, the right guy and the one who's going to take the, the franchise to the next level to contend for the AFC East and playoff spots. Hey, hey Mark, uh, also I wanted to ask you, what, what everybody kind of asked us, what's going to happen with coverage? Is it going to be NFL Network and ESPN working together for, for coverage, or do you think it's going to be separate? Yeah, I said just the last thing I read, I don't have any inside scoop on that stuff. wish I did, but no, it just seemed like that, that was, that's going to be uh, they're trying to work together on that to, to, which would be pretty neat. But I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. Mark, I got to ask you this, uh, uh, and and I know the coverage and I know the draft is always going to be uh, the hot topic now. Two weeks out, I want to go back about a week or two, and what did you think about the Dolphins' free agent signings, the Shaq Lawsons, the Van Noys of the world, uh, Byron Jones, Eric Flowers? What did you think about the Dolphins' kind of free agency spending spree? Yeah, I mean they had the money. It's the thing when you got the money, you got to spend it. So I think they did a, a good job of identifying the players that they thought would fit into uh, their systems. Van Noy makes perfect sense with. The New England connection and uh, tried to get the you know, D line, O line, and uh, Byron Jones, of course, was the, the best corner on the draft and uh, type of player that you're hoping elevates the rest of the, the secondary with his play. So I think they did a really good job of, of spending the money, not going too crazy with it. You know, Byron got paid a lot, but uh, he had to get paid, and that, that's the value for him. I think they did a really good job. Hey, hey Mark, uh, also, I want to ask you about Coach Flores. I don't know how, uh, me personally doing the games, I don't know how we won five games with that, with that group of guys at Ross. <laughs> last year especially 
after they made those trades with two of their best players. And Kenyon Drake ends up going to Arizona where he, he looked like a guy that we saw a couple years before. What do you think of the job he did last year, it, just from the outside, watching Coach Flores? I mean, he really should have been Coach of the Year. I mean, you, here you go with you just giving away all your players, as you mentioned, and you're looking at that team and say, well, they'll, they'll luck into one game. Of, you know, that Cincinnati was the thing they are playing. That was going to be the game that the tank for two a game. And, all right, they won a game. Okay, and then they win another game. And then they won another game. It's like, how is this happening? And then we're, we're competitive right. in a lot and competitive in a lot of other games where with chances to win. And I mean, that was one of the finer coaching jobs that you've seen in a long time with, uh, you know, it's easy to be coach of the year with you breeze as your quarterback or Tom Brady. But I mean, to, to have <laughs> barely any quality starting NFL players on your team and, and to do what they did last year was just really phenomenal. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, we all feel that same, that same way too, that uh, he, he really, he's all business and, uh, and, and it just turned out great with uh, with everything going on down here last year and uh, all those draft picks. Hey, uh, real quickly, we need some offensive linemen, and, and we can't figure the guard thing out drafting it. There's a whammy on this organization. I'm not taking shots. It, yeah, I am. I'm taking shots at all of them. I mean, we can't find a guard, Mark. We, so is there any tackles or guards out there that the, the Dolphins can get in the first couple rounds? We got six of them in the first three. <clears throat> we should be able to get. Uh, man, you guys can you can really get two quality starters with with the picks that you guys have in the, in the first two rounds. I mean, it's a really really strong group of offensive linemen. Uh, the wide receiver group as a whole, I think, is the strongest group and maybe the best receiver group that that I've scouted. I mean, just top wow. to bottom. You know, maybe yeah. not the super superstars like they'll be, but just top to bottom, be able to get 15, 20 guys that could be quality starters. And then I think the defensive, the, the cornerback group is very strong as well. But then right after that, or kind of even with the corner group is the offensive line. I mean, you you'll, you might see three guys go in the top 10 at the tackles as far as Tristan Wirfs and Makai Becton and, and Jedrick Willis, maybe a fourth, you know, Andrew Thomas. Just, each team's going to have all these guys different uh, but but then you've got some quality centers and guards as well so I think you'll be able to get a starter uh, into the second and third round with this strong group of offensive linemen so again you guys said that the Dolphins set themselves up for this situation and I think they can really just take kind of the best players available and it'll be a strong group of receivers tackles and corners up into the second and third round. Who gets a job first, Jameis Winston or Cam Newton? Cam. I think Cam will get a job first uh, just because of the positive things that he, he's, he's uh, accomplished. I mean, former MVP of the league, transcendent talent, and you're just kind of worried about the injuries. Once that, that'll get worked out, I think a team will take a chance where Jameis is, of course, everyone's worried about the turnovers and the, the historic rate of turnovers that he's had. It's not just kind of the normal turn, turnovers and the, the consistency of the turnovers going all the way back to college. Uh, I think the teams are kind of scared of Jameis in that respect. But I hope he gets a job. I mean, he's you've seen so many other quarterbacks with, with who haven't done anything, and they're, they're starting or backups in the league. So I hope Jameis gets his chance. Yeah, I, he definitely going to be in the league, yeah, and he's going to get another chance to start. I, I agree with you on that. Hey, what do you think of Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay team? Now, all of a sudden, man, everybody's got a buzz around Tampa Bay and what Tom Brady can do with this group. What do you expect from this team? I know they haven't done the draft yet, but from what they have right now, how, how good can Tampa up a baby with Brady? Well, it, it doesn't matter how good they can be. They got to be good. I mean, you don't sign the greatest quarterback of all time and expect to go nine and seven or compete for a wild card. I mean, this is, we, we got to win the Super Bowl or if that's really the mindset that they have to be. I mean, the guy's not getting any younger. He showed some signs of slipping last year. So in my view, it's a, a one year we got to win it this year. So 
Uh, obviously, you, you, tremendous buzz. You sign Brady, and it just changes your whole franchise, and it really just gives right. everyone belief that they can win. I mean, it's not just the play when you have a, a quarterback that's like that. It's not just how he plays and makes plays and leads the team on the field. It's just giving everyone that belief going into a game. We can, we're going to win because we have this. We have Tom Brady as opposed to going in. All right, Jameis might throw a pick six on his first play here. I'm not, we got, we're going to have to be fighting, <laughs> fighting the whole game. So right. it just changes the mindset of everyone in the entire organization so uh, i think if they draft a couple key key pieces they need a running back and more offensive line help in tampa but they'll, they'll be right in the thick of it for the representing the nfc in the super bowl mark um thanks stay safe really appreciate you coming on man really like that stuff thank you so much sure great guys you guys take care good to talk a little bit of football here and there who knows maybe we will see the football season play out as regularly scheduled and everything will be as they say Walking into the sun. Very good times. We can dream about that day. But right now, self-distancing. No sports. Doesn't seem to bother the Dan Levitard show all that much. Those guys, they don't always get too heavy into the sports anyway. But next, they're talking to a legend. The Shark, Greg Norman. This is the Best of the Joe Show. Back on the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Dan Day Radio, where you can always take a step into the day spa at any point of the day or night. And happy endings for everyone. Ah, that's at Dan Day Radio on Twitter. I've been trying to stay active on it. Got time. I've been doing a lot of weird things, but we'll get into my weirdness a little bit later. Greg Norman, kind of a weird, different guy. The Shark, yes. Join the Dan Levitard Show. What were they talking about? Well, he's busy irrigating. Okay, told you he's doing some weird stuff. Plus, does he have beef with Tiger Woods? Let's check in with our friend Greg Norman. You could check out what it is that he's got going on at shark.com. He is, uh, we're always impressed by him. He must be going stir crazy, Stugatz. is a man who lives life big, a man who swims with sharks and jumps from cliffs and stuff. This guy can't be doing well at home. Greg Norman with us on the ESPN radio. You must be going crazy, Norman. How nuts are you right now? No, well, I'm actually not really going crazy. I'm doing a lot of uh, irrigation work, uh, running machinery, digging trenches, using backhoes. Um, yeah, I'm keeping my skid steers. I'm keeping myself busy on the outside, so I'm, I'm uh, doing a lot of landscape work right now. Uh, and so you haven't uh, – how have your businesses – you've got so many businesses. How have your businesses been impacted by some of what's happening around here? <laughs> guys i mean first of all there's not a business in the on this planet that hasn't been impacted in some way shape or form we've all we've all suffered to, to a degree and mine's no different by my, my operating businesses uh, my shark wake parks my restaurants um, um yeah, even the retail with uh, greg Norman collection and my partnership with abg out of new york authentic brands groups all being affected there's no question about it no point in complaining we're all in this together um i'm doing my part the best i can to make sure that my employees are happy and getting through navigating through these crappy times that we're all involved with and um oh boy. and we're going to get there we oh are going to come out of the other side uh, shark and, let um, me interrupt shark, you real quick yeah, shark yeah. let me He's interrupt you we don't, we, don't ha- we don't have the ability to dump you when you use foul language here so uh My, if we could no it's okay i understand uh Stugatz, what do you have for greg norman and you thought this man wouldn't be busy greg i was reading a uh I- i'm interested in this because i love golf and certainly there's there's a big void in all golf fans life this week with with the masters not 
not being played, realizing that there are bigger things going on. But uh, I read a story yesterday about your relationship with Tiger Woods and what a kind gesture uh, you made towards Tiger after he won the Masters last year. You drove to his house, which isn't far away, granted, it's a couple of miles, and you left a very nice note at his door. And I know that Tiger has never really acknowledged you because when Tiger became number one, the guy he unseated was you. You were the best golfer in the world. And I found it strange that it took you running into Tiger for him to thank you for that nice note that you left him after winning Augusta. I'm, are you disappointed with how Tiger Woods has treated you, Greg? I wonder. I do wonder. Uh, look, I, I wouldn't say I'm disappointed. It's just a little bit confusing, to say the least, because, you know, over my era of playing the game of golf, I respected um, the guys who came before me and paved the way for me, like Jack Nicholas and Lee Trevino and Arnold Palmer, Raymond Floyd, Tom Watson, those guys. And I always looked up to them. I always seek their advice because at some time in, in your career, you're going to be a pastoral entity. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to um, basically, you know, hand off the baton the best way you can. And, and I always ask questions of those guys, spend a lot of time with them to understand that my roles and responsibilities going forward as a number one player in the world was to be able to instill those values that they had taught me. And, um, you know, look, everybody's different. Everybody reacts differently to different things. And um, so it's not disappointment. I think it was a little bit of confusion. But our conversation that Tiger had and I had just recently, it was it was really cathartic in a lot of ways. Uh, we, we, we both kind of understood each other. Uh, understood the fact that the, the the responsibilities that very, very few players in the world in any sport uh, can really grasp hold of when you are the number one player in the world and you have to have those responsibilities on your shoulders. And, and when you have a chance to communicate with somebody in the same um, situation, it's actually interesting how we all experience the same thing. So it was great to catch up with him um you know because we we have we have done a lot together he's won a lot more majors than i have but at the same time we are both responsible to some degree in our respective eras for moving the needle forward did you get a better understanding greg norman with us on espn radio after talking to him why he's been that way is it a cutthroat michael jordan i'm not going to be friends with my competitors thing or you remain confused even after the conversation um no i'm not confused anymore i think tiger's in a really good place um i think um from me and i said it to him i think his goal swings the best it's ever been i think his head is in a good place i think his life is in a good place now you know and look he, he went through a few years of ugliness quite honestly on the court and off on the course and off the course so he's done a a very admirable job of turning the situation around and and i said to him you're going to have a big year I, I can see it and this was all before COVID 19 of course I said, you're going to have a big year. And uh, because I could see a difference in him. He seemed like he was much more at peace and at, at, and, and at his position and, and all the past it was in the past. So, um, look, I haven't spoken to him since, um, you know, but my, I respect him for what he's done. Um, I, that's why I wrote him a note, um, because his transformation and to turn things around to win the Masters last year, very, 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 very few people in the world can do that. Maybe that's why I referenced Roger Federer, because Roger Federer, just he's like the ever-ready battery. He just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Greg, let me do it this way, because I like Tiger Woods. I respect Tiger Woods. I love golf, but I have gotten to speak to you now, I don't know, a half dozen times. I have grown to love you. 
I have fallen in love with the shark, Greg Norman. And what I am telling you is that conversation doesn't happen unless you randomly run into Tiger Woods. If Greg Norman takes the time to handwrite a note, drive to my house, stick it in my mailbox after I accomplish something great, I am going to sprint Knock to it his off. house. You, you are just, look, we, he got it, all right? <laughs> You're loading up a jerk to Norman. Okay, all right, you can be judged the hell out of that. Greg Norman doesn't seem to appear uh, to be willing to. Like, what I are you think doing? we were headed down a path, if you let me finish there, where I think Norman was going to call him a jerk. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> no, look, I just respect people's position, just like, you know, in anything. People, you know, people are allowed to have their opinions and feelings and stuff like that. And it's, guys, uh, I learned very early on in my career, never prejudge somebody without knowing them. And quite honestly, Tiger and I have never really sat down and had a conversation about knowing exactly where, where we sit with our viewpoints. And it doesn't matter where, how we feel about each other. I mean, I can go over history with my golf career of, different players that I've encountered that we I didn't see eye to eye with them. And then there's players that I was extremely close with, like Severiano Ballesteros, where we both were an inspiration to each other, where we were both trying to help each other with our respective games. I was helping him with his driver because he was the worst driver of the golf ball I've ever seen a professional be. <laughs> and um, he was helping me with my short game. So, look, there's a lot of those situations. So I never – I've learned early on, never prejudge anybody. And – and I've, I've stayed that way. I, I respect people to, who achieve certain things. Um, and no different than what's going on today. I respect these people on the task force fighting on the front lines. I respect the, the, the health care workers, the nurses, the doctors, the military, the first responders. I respect these people. I'm not going to do anything else other than that because people go above and beyond sometimes more than what we realize. And sometimes people hurt more than what we realize. So you've got to, you know, you've just got to have that attitude and, you know, and with Tiger, you know, I would love to, you know, sit down with him. Literally, he lives half a mile north of me, or south of me, excuse me. So sitting down and just having a conversation about life in general, like I've done with, um, you know, predecessors, you know, with Jack Nicholas, I've, I've had multiple conversations with him. And he's always, every time I called him up, he was open-armed and willing to say, come on down, let's have a chat. Greg, always good catching up with you. Shark.com is where you go if you want to check out what it is that Greg Norman is doing. Thank you for being on with us. Uh, for everything Greg Norman, check out Shark.com. Thank you again for joining us. Hey, guys, thank you. Thanks for bringing um, a great show to people that really need a, a bit of an uplifting. And, and anytime you need me to come on, guys, please call me. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Yes. All right. <laughs> okay, guys. See you later. <laughs> I like Greg Norman's style. Staying busy. He and Tiger Woods, a little sticky right there. Tried to play it nice, but at the same time, you could hear that underlying. I ain't got no stickiness with Hawk and Crowder. Love those goes. They're my dudes, dudes. We're going to be hearing from them next. They got a big happy birthday to celebrate. This is the Best of the Joe Show. Gotcha on the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio that you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day, and we'll get into some of my social experimenting and weird stuff that I've been doing in just a few minutes. But first, we want to hear from my dude dudes, Hawk and Crowder. They continue on from three to six weekdays right here on 560. The Joe Solana helps out. Jay Fig helps out. I've been working mornings, so I haven't been able to come in. Eventually, like I said, We'll get back to somewhat of a normal life. Right now, they trudge on. Happy birthday, John Oates. Let's hear some of his music. Also, Herbert over Tua. And then... 
talk about Stephen Ross's Sleepless Nights. A little Hall & Oates to start the go crank it up, Solana. Is it Tuesday, by the way? I believe so. You yes. know, after I said it, I started thinking, wait a second, it's Wednesday. But no, it's Tuesday, huh? It's Tuesday. The only reason I know because the trash goes out on Tuesdays, and I had to tote oh. them big-ass garbage cans out. You're right. Yep, yeah. same here. John Oates, half of Hall & Oates, celebrating his 71st birthday today. So we'll play some Hall & Oates today. Solana, uh, this shows you a little bit of what we're dealing with. Solana just said to me and Crowder before we went on the air, hey, I'm going to try to play all Hall & Oates songs today. And uh, Crowder responded, aren't there about 7,000 Hall & Oates songs? <laughs> like, it's, I don't know. Like, you know, you got to set small goals for yourself. You, you can't, you, you know, not everything is trying to run a marathon. Sometimes you have to set small goals for yourself. Here's, I'm going to help you accomplish your goal, Solana. There's an album called Hall & Oates Greatest Hits. Oh. And that will cover this show and every other show on the uh, on the station. And you won't have to work too hard to, to find uh, songs for four hours. Some guys want to start. Some guys just want to make the team. <laughs> You got to set your goals the right way. Got to set your goals the right way. For a few weeks now, I am no longer scared of the Patriots. They can't do whatever they feel like doing. We have to stop, you know, having the victim mentality as Dolphins fans. We have to we have to realize we're no longer victims here. We are out from under the thumb of New England, so they can't just do whatever they want to do. And now Ben Volan's getting me nervous because he keeps saying that New England's going to swoop in and get to a Tonga-Valoa somehow. And he he doubled down on it again today in the Boston Globe, saying that the Dolphins, accord, I think according to Mel Kuyper, are very interested in Justin Herbert a lot more than Tua, and that would open up an opportunity for the Patriots to go get Tua, which, fast forward to the end of this movie, would be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Be a disaster. Nope. We've been talking about not to be afraid of the big bad wolf anymore. If they have another franchise quarterback potentially, I'm a little scared. I'm not gonna lie, Hawk. Would you be would you be upset if uh after April twenty third, the night of the NFL draft, would you be upset if the Dolphins drafted Justin Herbert? Now, we're gonna hear a lot of stuff over the next couple of weeks. Opinions can change, attitudes can change, a lot can happen. But I'm asking you today on April seventh, April twenty fourth rolls around. Around, and the Dolphins announced Justin Herbert the night before as their quarterback, and Tua Tagovailoa is still on the board. Would you be upset? No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Okay, because of the fact that they had all the time to do the research, they looked into it, and for them to, if Tua's on the board and Herbert's on the board, and they take Herbert, you have to trust that process. You have to trust their evaluation. You have to trust their, their you know, their their breakdown, their film study. Chris Greer, Reggie McKenzie, the people we talk about who I'm praising or blaming on April 23rd through the 25th on draft night. If they have both guys available and take Herbert, I would not be upset because they evaluated that, but I would be if we find out the reason is just the injury because injuries happen all the time. I, I, I'm not as scared as some people are of Tua's hip. I want to see what the young man can do. But 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 at, at, at the end of the story, though, is you trust in Chris Greer and Reggie McKenzie and Brian Flores to make the right decision. Yes. Will I will I will I question it? Yes. Will I be will I watch every Tua game next year for whatever team drafts him 
so I can really know if you messed up or not. Yes, it will, it will be on my mind if they don't take Tua and he's on the board and they pick Herbert. That's what we're going to look at entire next season. If they do not take Tua, our measuring stick is going to be what Tua does versus what our guy does because we had a chance to take both of them. And that's going to be not just our mind. I'm, I'm going to go further. I think that's going to be Stephen Ross's evaluation as well. Oh, without question, yeah. Because I think Ross, once Tua, we saw it. What Ross was at the semifinal game, the national, you mm-hmm. know, the uh, college football mm-hmm. playoff. Like, not a lot of owners go to college football games and stand on the sideline pregame to watch the guy. You know he likes Tua. So Stephen Ross, I'm sure him and Chris Greer will have to have that conversation. You're going to take Herbert over Tua, Chris. This better work out, and that that's a billionaire saying this better work out or. Your job's on the line. But we talked about it before, Hawk. This draft is what's going to make Chris Greer or break Chris Greer's career. I wonder if Stephen Ross would even allow himself to be in that situation again because we kind of all know now he wanted Lamar Jackson, right? He wanted Lamar Jackson. He was talked out of it by his brain trust, and he probably watched Lamar Jackson all season last season going, man, like at some point someone's got to listen to me. I've put the billions into this team. I wonder if he would even allow himself. Like if he is in love with Tua, I wouldn't even blame him if he gave a mandate to his guys. Get Tua. This guy can change my franchise. Get Tua. But does he trust? Because he the reason the Parcells came in was that. That he wanted a guy that makes those decisions. So then the Parcells thing, I don't think, I want to say it didn't work out because we did go to the playoffs 08, but Parcells was done with it. As you see, Parcells didn't have a job since. So does, for him to trust Parcells like that is, did he learn his lesson or is he doing that with the new regime? Did he learn his lesson to your point, Hawk, where he's saying, listen, I saw Lamar Jackson. I saw the NFL MVP last season, the guy that I was leaning towards, the guy that, you know, I was a little sweet on, and y'all didn't take him. Now two is the next guy. Is he is is he going to learn from the Lamar Jackson mistake, or is he going to trust the business process? To be honest, Hawk, I think he trusts his business process because he's a businessman. I think where, he does, too. Where he, There's going to be that conversation where tonight, tomorrow, April 21st, 22nd, 23rd, the morning of, where Chris Greer is his job is to convince Stephen Ross the right decision is Herbert. You love Tua. I like Tua. I love Herbert. And it's Stephen Ross is gonna have to sit down in his multi multi million dollar condo somewhere and see if he should go with his gut like he should have with Lamar, or should he trust Chris Greer like he's trusted uh, GMs in the past and they've burned him. I don't know. Uh, the Deion Jordan. We talked about it yesterday at the end of the show, mm-hmm. Hawk. Deion Jordan, Stephen Ross still has to think about that, where I trusted Jeff Ireland to trade up to the number three pick to take a guy that made zero impact in the entire NFL. Nothing he's done in the NFL makes anybody remember him. Should I trust him now, Chris Greer, over me trusting Jeff Ireland? I would say I trust Chris Greer more because I hate Jeff Ireland, but Stephen Ross has had that conversation with himself somewhere soon before the end of April. It's it's an interesting conversation that he would have to have internally because when you think about it, you know, it's like he's getting older. He has not had much success since he owned the Dolphins. He's had unbelievable success in the world of business. And so does it become one of the, because, you know, we talked about this with Pat Riley. Don't you think Pat Riley had sleepless nights even before Hassan Whiteside turned out to be, I don't call him a bust, but not worthy of the max contract that they gave him. Even before we knew he wasn't going to be worthy of that. Don't you think Pat Riley probably had some sleepless nights where he would look at the ceiling saying, man, this is against everything that I know. You know, I know this guy's not one of my DNA type of guys 
and I'm kind of forced to give him the max here because I don't want to see him lost to Dallas. We know Mark Cuban wanted him at that time. And I wonder if, if Stephen Ross has those moments at night too, where he's like, man, I hired someone to do the job because I trust them. I've put together a front office because I trust them. But when it's all said and done, it's my team. Do I really allow them to have all the say when it comes to picking whoever they're going to pick with the fifth pick, or maybe it's an earlier pick if they trade up, or do at some point I just have to say, I can't do this. I can't, I like, I've tried, I can't do this. I know two is the right guy. And it's it's an interesting internal conversation that I imagine any owner has to have when, when, you, when you've been burned enough times, right? When you've been burned enough times by your um, front office where you just go, yeah, I, 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 I trust these guys. But I trust these guys, but it's my two billion dollars that's on the line. And to the to the to the uh, the heat, you know, uh, comparison, think about what happened with Spo and Hassan the entire time where Spo mm-hmm. didn't want to start him. I'm sure that Spo wasn't gung ho about giving Hassan 100 million dollars. We saw we saw that he did not he didn't utilize this guy like a number one highest paid guy on your team. So when Rodney went and asked Spo, "Hey Spo, do you could you make this guy the centerpiece?" I'm sure Spo was not, "Yeah, sign him, give him 100, whatever he wants." Spo might have been like, "Pat, I don't I, I I don't know about this guy. I'm not I'm not seeing it the way you're seeing it. So it's on you. And we know, you know, uh, revisionist history, whatever you want to call it. We know that they went and gave us on that money. It was the biggest waste of time, biggest waste of contract. We've we've done it. You know, we did the exercise maybe in heat history, the worst contract in heat history. So now the next time something comes up like that, Pat, Pat might learn. Now we're asking if Stephen Ross learn. Is Stephen Ross going to, you know, listen to his people, listen to his the people you hire to do that job or are you going to go with your gut? I think Pat made a mistake with Hassan, and I think he'd admit that now. I don't know if Stephen Ross is going to make another mistake or if he's going to tell them. Because to be honest, let's be honest. If Stephen Ross flat out calls Chris Greerhawk and says, draft Tua at five if he's available as your boss, as the billionaire owner, you have to draft him. Stephen Ross can pull his big man card. Yep. The question is, the question is, will he? But I don't right. see him. I don't see him as the big car puller. This is an all or nothing draft for the Dolphins. Ooh, good thing they have plenty of time to sit around and think about it, and hopefully make a lot of the right decisions. Make the right decision. Download the podcast for this show or any of the shows that you've just heard wherever you get your podcast for free. Radio.com app, or you can go to our website wqam.com. I am going to go home and I am going to read. Watch some Ozark, watch some Trailer Park Boys, maybe do some other weird stuff. One of the weird things I did, walked around, and when a lovely lady would run by me, I would say, quarantine and chill, quarantine and chill. A lot of them just looked at me like, what? Quarantine and chill? I'm going to ask you to quarantine and chill with me weeknights, 6 o'clock, right here, 560 The Joe, for the best of The Joe Show. Download the podcast. You've got the time. And also follow me on Twitter, at Dan Day Radio. Quarantine and chill? This is the best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.